All right, who loves a summer barbecue as much as I do? Listen, if you want to impress everyone with some super yummy dishes, you need ButcherBox in your life. ButcherBox is my go-to subscription box that delivers high-quality meat and seafood to your door with free shipping always. And I'm talking high-quality cuts at an amazing value. 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. We are saving so much money every month with ButcherBox over going to the grocery store and buying meat and seafood and saving a lot of time. But get this, last month we saved nearly $200. I also love that ButcherBox curates these tips and recipes that are based on your box so you know what to cook. I made the most amazing steak with a basil sauce the other night. And oh, let me tell you, my friends all raved at how amazing it tasted. I'm definitely going to be pulling that recipe out. If you want great meat and seafood in your life, you need ButcherBox. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com etm and use code etm at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com etm and use code etm. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. You're going to be surprised. It's going to sound a little crazy, but it's it's going to happen. Is that franchising is going to really have a renaissance, a massive resurgence. Like you look at what people are passionate about work-wise these days, and it's, I want to own my own business. It's startups. It's entrepreneurship. And it's all these things that like people have head trash about that F word, franchising. But when you look at like what all their goals are, it aligns with everything. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Hey, Shauna here. One quick reminder before we get in the episode. If you could do me the biggest, biggest favor... Head to whatever app you're listening to this episode right now in. Leave us five stars, a rating, and review. These ratings and reviews, they do really help this show continue to grow and help us continue to attract more and more amazing guests. All right, let's get into the episode. The idea of franchising started way back in the Middle Ages, but it really started to pick up steam in the 1960s with the creation of turnpikes and President Eisenhower's interstate highway system. That's when franchising really had its heyday. But in the last couple of decades, franchising has been looked down on and passed over as an opportunity to build wealth. But the tide is changing, my friend. 
Our guest, Kenny Rose, CEO and founder of Franshares, created a platform that democratizes franchise investing so it could become accessible to everyone. The beauty is that you no longer need to own a franchise, which could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Instead, you can invest in franchises and generate passive income for a lot less money. It's an interesting concept for sure, and I'm personally happy that franchising it's having this renaissance because it's a business model that has worked for so many people, it would be silly to overlook it. In this episode, you'll learn what is franchise investing, what makes a franchise profitable, why you should invest in a franchise right now, and so much more. You're going to want to take notes on this episode. All right, I'll let Kenny take it from here. Let's start talking franchise investing. We did an episode a while back about franchises. And I am really excited to talk about this idea of franchise investing. I read somewhere that you have worked with over 600 franchises in over 100 different industries. This is really fascinating. So I thought just to start us out, I'm really curious about what's so great about franchises in general? Like, Why should we care about franchises? Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm the son of an entrepreneur. So growing up, I always wanted to you know follow in his footsteps and like build my own business. But you know, these days it's really tough to get an idea off the ground. And I mean, it's easy to start anything, but to really build a scalable and reputable business, it is very difficult today. And what franchising really allows you to do is take this like pre-existing model, use your skill sets, and allow you to build a business. Um, you know, most people don't have the idea for the next Facebook or they can't <laughs> take a big risk on starting something new that's completely unproven. And so it really gives this pe- people the way to like skip that first five or 10 years owning a business and get straight into running the business, which is what they really want to do. It's uh, a lot more goes into it than someone who's never started a business realizes. So it's a great way to know, you know, have some predictability in what's going to happen in running a business yourself. Yeah, like a plug and play model, right? Of business where you just kind of slot it in. You know, when I used to work um, as a practicing financial planner, I had a client and he was he was in his early 70s, but he had owned four McDonald's franchises and he bought them like way back in the, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was still providing him this this huge amount of wealth from, you know, those franchises that he owned. Of course, it was a lot of work and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot in between the um, in between the lines there. But that was a long time ago. So I'm curious, can franchises still be profitable? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I will say I have to throw an asterisk on there because it depends on the franchise. It's like, right. you know, honestly, it's like asking, are stocks profitable? It's like, well, there's plenty that are, and there are a ton that are not at all. And uh, there's actually more franchise brands out there than there are stocks on the NASDAQ. So the comparison's very uh, doable there. And only about 15% of those brands ever hit 100 or more locations. So to say like a sweeping statement, is franchising profitable? No. But is uh, franchising, I like, can franchising be profitable? Absolutely. You just have to make sure you're in the right system with the right operators in the right market. Like those are the big three that are going to allow you to be successful. So what then what makes a franchise like break out of that mold where there are more than like 10 locations? Is there like a formula for success or like are there franchises where you've seen them do really well and like create a model for success yeah i mean there's no like absolute blueprint or else uh, there'd be a lot more <laughs> that i mean not, there's not plenty enough franchises but i think everyone will be trying to go after that same little model there but um you know an example of one i've seen done extremely well recently was one that uh we actually became a part of uh 
you know, I always love telling people how wide ranging the franchise industry is because they always go straight to think about McDonald's or Subway or right, Taco Bell. Right, of course. And, um, you know, part, I spent a decade in the franchise brokerage side of things and I'd learned all about these different industries and brands within them. And so one of them that we invested in is a brand called uh, Smash My Trash. And uh, so I want to show people really on the far end, they franchise everything. And uh, it's a really unique business where, you know, anything that's in the commercial space, whether it's construction, manufacturing, distribution, they always have those giant open top dumpsters out back. And it costs a lot of money to haul that off to the dump every time. So this franchise, Smash My Trash, does exactly what the name implies. They drive this giant rig up with a two-ton steel drum, compress and grind everything down, and smash trash. You can keep filling it back up, and it's less trips to the dump. Saves you money. Super simple business. But um, they sold like 500 locations in their first like four or five years in operation. Wow. Like absolute rocket ship. And so you know, if I could pinpoint what closely makes uh, brands really explode... You know, it's a combination of like uh, being in a unique space. Now, not usually first to market. Franchising is often not like creating industries, but they're consolidating industries. And then you're also looking for uh, something that's had like a really good uh, beginning success. People are looking at those original locations and seeing how well they performed. So if you don't have well-performing franchises, uh, especially starting off, it's really hard to gain that traction. And then um, another thing like most people don't know about the franchise world is uh, there's a large brokerage side to it. And so that's where I uh, spent the last decade was as a franchise broker. So it's kind of like being like a realtor or an investment advisor, Uh, but for the world of franchise, like if you said one day to yourself, like, Hey, I want to open a franchise. You don't know that much about franchising. Most people don't. And so we'd help to like educate on how franchising is done and then work with like, Hey, based on your skill set, your budget and your location and your goals, these are the brands that make the most sense for you. And so there's a couple different broker networks out there. And so good brands, uh, you know, if they've really proven it, they can go to these broker networks and have people bring them uh, qualified uh, franchisee candidates. And so uh, no, no one size fits all ways. Yeah, there's a lot uh, to it. You know, like how much money on average, I mean, I know this is wide ranging, but like how much on average do you need if you wanted to invest in um, like actually owning a franchise? Yeah. Um, like you said, wide range. There's a lot of like service-based ones where if you're a great salesperson, I mean, there's still going to be hundred to 200,000. Um, average retail place is going to cost somewhere around a million dollars. Uh, you know, a big one like a McDonald's or a Taco Bell could be a million and a half plus. But that's actually also the wrong answer because <laughs> now you can own a franchise for as little as $500. And that's what we did with franchise because most people don't have six or seven figures of cash laying around. And is where we realize yeah, there's wish, a big right? problem. <laughs> or oh, say not yet, not yet. Not yet, not yet. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Everybody listening uh, can't see what what uh, what I see right now. We're recording this and I'm assuming you're in your office or whatever it might be. And behind you, there's like a Domino's like hat logo. I see a book about fr- French fries. So like I could tell you are deeply immersed in the world of all things uh, franchise, which is really oh. cool. Yeah, and I've I've spent a decade plus uh, getting myself prepared for this business, and uh, you actually can't see. I can move it over. We got a wait list of uh, forty two thousand change for the company, so it's like always that thing that like it actually flips live. So whenever someone signs up, I get a little tick, and that's my extra kick. Keep going. It's like, hey, another person is excited. Keep building. All right, so we 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 talked a little bit about franchises, but you know we're here to really dive into this idea of uh franchise investing so different than you actually owning outright the franchise 
So why would somebody decide to invest in franchises this way versus just going out and, you know, buying a franchise? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll start that off by saying this is eventually going to be the only way people want to invest in franchises or own a franchise. Really? You think so? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, there's a couple parts to it. You know, for one, you, you said buy a franchise. So if you're looking at like, hey, maybe I want to do an existing business. That was like the most common question I got on the brokerage side. And I'd always tell them the same thing. Hey, if it's a good business, a family member, a friend, a customer, or another franchisee is going to buy it before it ever hits the open market. So if you see a franchise on like a biz buy sell, 20 to 50 people passed on that business already. And so there's a lot of things that need to work out. Um, But then on the other side, if you're like, hey, I'm going to go start a new location of something, you again, first you have that problem of I don't have six or seven figures of cash laying around, but then it's, even if you did, well, that business that got you there to get you seven, six, seven figures of cash, you probably want to keep doing that and not go off and do something on the side. And, right. you know, a lot of people try running franchises on the side, but really it's, uh, you know, you, to have the best possible operations, you need an owner operator that's in the business every day. And then, you know, finally, it's like, hey, maybe you do have the right uh, capital requirements and you are ready for a change of pace. But then it's like, maybe you were the CFO of a company and you're trying to then go run a McDonald's, totally different skills. I mean, there's transferable skill sets, but they don't want to go sit in a McDonald's every day. They're instead going to go try and hire a manager and all this. And so we thought, well, like, let's cut out the middleman, you know, like there's a separation between where money is and where the operators are. And so we want to grab the money from people who are, you know, those former CFOs or day traders, and they're looking to diversify. And then invest that into owner operators who are there every day where your investment can be a lot safer than just, well, hopefully this minimum wage manager I uh, put in place uh, does well. You started FranShares to allow individuals to invest in what you call diversified portfolios of franchises. You said again, for as little as like $500. So the skeptic in me, Kenny, though, says like $500, can you really get you know decent return by investing only $500? Like, is that actually feasible? So. Like talk to the skeptic in me. What you know, what can you expect with like a smaller investment like that? Well, I mean, really you're getting your pro rata share of the portfolio, just like someone who's investing a hundred thousand would. So I mean, it's you know, the checks will look smaller, but it's what happens when you invest less. But like when you're looking at like stable returns, diversification, I mean, it's got all the things that you're looking for there. And we just wanted to be able to open it up to more people. So, you know, maybe getting like 20 to 50 bucks a quarter doesn't sound great, but it's also like, you know, when you add that up over time and you're also comparing it to like, what else can I invest in for 500 bucks? Um, We really wanted to open it up. I mean, for two reasons, open it up for everyone, not just to like provide accessibility, but it also makes what we do work even better. You know, we prioritize investors who live in the local areas for what we're opening. And you you think about it, it's like people who invest in Apple stock usually have an iPhone. People who have an iPhone generally have Apple stock. And when you pair this with like the Reddit versus Wall Street pandemonium of like, hey, when I have ownership, I can make change. It's the same premise here, because if you invest, like I'm, I'm in Chicago and if like, I invest in somewhere that's, you know, I'm going to put $500 into this portfolio. Well, not only am I earning income on it, but I'm actually able to go support the business that I invested in. So like where I get my haircut, where I go work out, where I go eat at, get my oil change. Those are all places that I own a piece of, too. And so we see it as like, it's an investment that's actually tangible and also just really gets people behind it because they see it. You know, it's not Bitcoin that's going on some servers and hope you don't lose your password or the hard drive (laughs) or something. It's like, 
There is that Supercuts down the street, and they are cutting hair today, and they'll be cutting hair tomorrow. So, like, what type of returns can you expect? Or, like, what's the average, I guess I would say, you know, when you're investing in, in a franchise model like this? You know, uh, the SEC would uh, I know, I know, probably I know. string me up if I, like, said, hey, here's what you're going to do. Um, I will say that like our target returns, uh, it's going to vary based on the portfolio, but like we try and aim for 15 to 20%. And that's a combination of income and equity growth. And I say that as a general statement, not for any open offerings for any SEC friends listening. Um, but gastric, uh, gastric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, trust me, I have uh, become a master in uh, SEC law over the last couple of years. So uh, <laughs> I choose my words very carefully. And I'd rather, you know, I like to under promise and over deliver too. So. Um, but yeah, honestly, it's healthy returns. A good thing. Like you said, your friend that owns some McDonald's, there's a reason that he owned them for so long. So tell me, what are your money goals that you have for this year? Maybe you're like me and endlessly looking for a house to buy and you're focused on saving for a down payment or you're drooling over traveling somewhere tropical this year and you want to save to pay for it. Or you're ready to leave your job and build your own business, so you're going to need some startup funds. Whatever your goals are this year, Monarch can help you reach them. In fact, the Wall Street Journal named Monarch the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. What I love about Monarch is it's simple and easy, customizable design, so the dashboard can look exactly the way you want it to. I'm also a big fan of creating custom budgets for things like travel. It's one of my favorite money tips, and Monarch lets you do this so easily. This is such a great way to stay motivated when you've got a lot of money goals. You can easily track your progress with every dollar that you save or spend. Remember, your brain loves to see progress, and you should celebrate it when you're saving money. And honestly, I am so focused on privacy, so I really admire that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties. This means a lot to me, and it should mean a lot to you as well. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of the show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. I have to tell you about my new obsession, Notion, our sponsor today. Notion has single-handedly changed how I do life for the better. I use Notion for all my daily journaling so I can keep it all in one spot. I also keep all our favorite recipes that are budget-friendly in Notion so I can easily sort and find the ones I love and easily create fast grocery list. And okay, one of the best uses of Notion, you can create a template for your money dates and track your goals right in Notion. Seriously, Notion is a game changer. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but really getting inspired. It's an AI-powered workspace. It turns knowledge into action. You can use Notion to summarize meeting notes and auto-generate action items, get answers to questions in minute, and you can make all of your money tasks so much easier. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, freelance designer, starting a new startup, a student juggling classes and clubs, or just somebody really wanting to get your life together. 
Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters. Notion.com slash etm and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you're supporting our show. Notion.com slash etm. I know I'm a bit biased, but honestly, I think I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a golden mountain doodle and she is full of spunk and fun and she's never met a ball she does not love. I honestly, I would do anything for Winnie and she has enriched my life so much. I can confidently say Winnie is absolutely one of the most priceless purchases I have ever made. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. In today's world, we insure a lot, from cars and homes to cell phones and even travel plans. But what about insurance for your cat or dog? With ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. This is what I call smart spending because, let's be real, those vet bills, they can be expensive. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program, they've been around for about 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure your pet's plan is unique as they are. Because vet bills, they can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. You use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTC Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. And okay, so how do you guys then decide? I mean, obviously you have this like mass, you know, skill set and knowledge and understanding of the franchise world. But how do you decide what franchises you guys are going to actually invest in or put in their portfolios? Yeah. So we start from a top-down approach and look at different industries out there. Uh, before we even go into like a brand or a specific location, it's like, hey, does this industry make sense? Like we're not going to get into retail clothing because Amazon's coming for that. But mm, Amazon's right. not trying to change your oil or smash your trash. Not yet, right? Hair. Yeah. Oh. I don't think anyone's <laughs> trusting machines to cut your hair anytime soon. I've seen a little movie right? that was there. Remember, like, the, remember the Floby? Yeah, from you. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so, uh, no, and plus, it's one of those things like fashion and, yeah. But, um, uh, sorry, the, what was your question? I got, I got, I I got stuck saying, on the Floby. Yes, I know. Me too, right? How, like, how do you guys decide? What are your criteria oh, yeah. to decide? Yeah. So, looking at the top down from the industry, and we want to see what industries are recession resistant, technology resistant, pandemic resistant. Uh, we want to then look at, you know, is this industry growing over time or has it been contracting? And so, when we see these early indicators, like, hey, we've got an industry that is popular and it is growing and we can uh, go earn in there, then we're going to look into, okay, what franchise brands are in this space? And so what's really cool about franchising is that franchising is regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. And so as part of that regulation, every franchise has to submit what's called a franchise disclosure document. And so this is everything from who the leadership team is, company financials, 
what it costs to start a location broken down by line item, how much they make uh, as their litigation against the franchise. So we can go through and analyze all the different brands in this space and see who's performing the best, who's got great support. We talk to franchisees and see, like, are they happy in the system? Are they growing? Do they get support? And then once we find those brands that we like, you know, we're researching uh, not only like which ones are going to be the best, but where where's their availability in good markets. And then finally, the operators that we'd be investing in. And we do it in two different ways. One is that, uh, you know, operators who are maybe they've got a handful of locations already, they're looking to scale, but a bank's looking at them like they own five houses. And they're like, why would I give you a loan for a sixth? You've got debt on this. But when you look at them as franchisees, it's like, oh, well, you've done the hardest part, which is building that foundation. Like that's when they're ready to scale. And that's when banks pull their money back on them. And so uh, from there, you know, we're looking to invest in these operators that are already doing very well. Or uh, what we're also going to be doing is starting new locations with people who are really underrepresented in the franchise community. So like minorities, disabled veterans, people who like, uh, you know, former athletes, people who are there to work and can follow systems and process, but they don't have a million bucks in the bank. Mm-hmm. Like if you're looking to do a coffee franchise, I'm looking for someone who was a GM at a Starbucks for 10 years and thinking that person would be a dream franchisee. But does that person have a million bucks? Not a chance. And so again, you have the separation between where the money comes from and who the operators are. And so franchise sits in the middle and we say, okay, this industry is doing fantastic and this can continue to grow. This brand is the best one within it. And then either this operator is already a killer and looking to scale or we we can find operators that have usually they've applied to be franchisees too. And the franchise is going to sit there like, I love you. You are a great person. Your background is incredible, but your financials don't line up with what we're looking for. And so really the franchisors are telling us like, Hey, these are the ones that we need to fund because these people are going to go crush it. And uh, so every franchise brand that we've talked to is like, love this. Cause it's, it's something they've been needing, uh, which just, there's been a glaring hole for a while. So you talked about uh, like some of the, you know, you're looking for recession proof, pandemic resistant, you know, all of these different variables. Like what are some of the industries right now that are that are pretty hot? Um, Like I said, I love this trash one. So, I mean, trash doesn't (laughs) go away. Um, You know, hot industries is a relative term because, you know, it's always what's right for you. Like we're trying to look for the right systems. And so like, you know, hair care and automotive, it always does well. Um, It's one of those. And especially when you look at like. Uh, recession type stuff. Like people don't go out and buy new cars. They drive the old ones and make sure they last longer. And so they're getting them fixed, making sure they look better. Um, Things like hair care, you know, if people start, you know, economy starts going down, people are looking for jobs. Well, especially most franchising and hair care is budget cutters. And so you see a lot of people do like the step Mm, down when recessions occur. You know, they're not going to fine dining. They're going to go to quick service restaurants and takeout instead. And so we want to find things that are, you know, really there for like the budget minded shopper. Um, and then, you know, also we want to look at things that are really coming up fast. Like we're keeping eyes on future markets, like, uh, you know, the medical marijuana industry, like there are franchises in there, but until it's federally legal, you can't really touch it. So we're looking ahead for things like that. And, um, you know, honestly, things like med spas, just things that are about mm, okay, people's right. health and, uh, wellness uh, always do well. So there's a lot of hot industries out there. And like I said, it covers, actually, I think you said it for me, franchising covers hundreds of industries. So it's a little bit of everything out there for us. So I think like, you know, typically when you think about franchises, most of us tend to think of restaurants, some sort of food chain. That's like what we correlate to franchises. But 
yeah. the, what I'm what I'm hearing is those are not necessarily always the best. Like there's these kind of new interesting sectors that are kind of popping up that are really interesting to to think about. So okay, well, let's say we're listening and this this sounds interesting. You know, what's your advice about like how and when we should think about adding like a franchise investment on top of, you know, just our normal investing if we're investing in our 401k or IRA or something like that. What sort of piece does, you know, franchise investing kind of take up of, of you know, the whole pie of investing? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so I forgot to mention, uh, I'm actually a former financial advisor myself. I was a Merrill Lynch man. And um, so it feels like a lifetime ago. And, you know, the two things I would say to answer that one is education is the most important, you know, don't ever invest in something you don't fully understand. And so you know, we're big on education. So it's like, go check out the website, download a white paper, an investor guide, read some materials, like start getting comfortable with it before you ever do anything like that. But then the other side is um, when you talked about the pie, uh, you know, most financial advisors will say you should have like 20% in your portfolio into alternative investments. Autumn will say more. And I would be one greedy individual if I said we're the whole 20%. And so, you know, I think you need to diversify even that alternative slice between a couple different asset classes. Um, you know, so I honestly, I'd say like we should be 10% of that at least. So, you know, I think generally you're looking at like a 2% allocation is like a good sweet spot that I tell people is like a good target too. But also, as this right. is not financial advice, this is just a founder uh, spiel. We're just <laughs> educating. This is education, right? <laughs> So, okay, we talked about the good sides of a franchise. You know, what are some of the the risks investing in franchises? Like, yeah. what are the things that could potentially go wrong? Yeah. So, uh, franchisor is one of the top ones. You know, you have to make sure that like they are a company that is investing in growth. Um, you, know, you look at a company like Taco Bell, for example, and like you see the new like self order kiosk, and like they're coming out with new types of stores. Like those are brands that are reinvesting into themselves and constantly. Uh, you know, taking a look at what they are and what they can be. If it's a brand that's like kind of stuck in the mud or has terrible leadership, the problems that are existing are only going to get worse. Um, another problem is like looking at like who the actual operator is. It's one of the most common questions we get because, you know, they want to know who's in that store every day. And that's why also I said there's a problem between what I call the check writers and the owner operators is that, you know, you, you can write a check to get it going, but someone needs to run that store. and I love that people try and save money right off the bat. They're like, oh man, I can find like a slightly uh, different location that's a little cheaper. And oh, I can find this GM that's going to save me 30 grand. And oh, I can shave off 10 grand on grand opening marketing expenses. And so they think they're the savviest person ever and just save 60 <laughs> grand. But really, they just pissed away a million dollars because they were cutting corners. And so there's risk by not following the system. And the system's usually going to say, spend this much on grand opening, do this type of location. A be an owner operator. And so when you start to stray from that, and the more you continue to stray, the more you're putting your investment at risk. And so that's why like what we do to try and combat these risks is that we take you know top down approach and looking like, okay, what's this total project going to cost? Let's go raise for it to have this solid foundation. Like we want to be able to give a salary to a good operator and have them earn into more equity. We want to get, depending on the business, a great location if they need that foot traffic. And um, you know, also, I'm honestly like a go market more person. So they can suggest here's what you should do for grand opening. I'm also going to I'm going to suggest a we do more and b we can cross market with ourselves and the franchises. So it's like, hey, you know, would you like to invest in a location in your community? 
because people don't get to see that. You know, if anything, real estate's the closest thing, but most of them aren't always investing into real estate in their community. They're doing a commercial building halfway across the country. And that's, that's just not really tangible for them. It's good to have in your portfolio, but it's nice to have some things you can actually understand and really start creating jobs in your own community there. This is Chris Christensen from the Amateur Traveler podcast. The Amateur Traveler podcast is about the love of travel. It's about where to go and why you should go there. We're going to open up to you different destinations you haven't heard of or places you have heard of, but things you didn't know to do while you were there. Each episode is about 45 minutes long, and it's typically an interview with someone who wrote the guidebook on that destination or who has been there or who's a local tour guide or someone who is an expert on that destination and knows how to tell you what to do to get the most out of your precious vacation time. So if you value your vacation time and you want to use it wisely, listen to Amateur Traveler and learn about destinations both domestic and international, places you've heard of and places you haven't. Amateur Traveler has almost 900 episodes talking about different destinations. So if there's a place you want to go, odds are we've already covered it and can help you plan a trip there. Amateur Traveler, subscribe today. Have you ever wondered why we call French fries French fries or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily wherever you cast your pod. Hi, NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast will give you practical knowledge you can use to level up your finances. I'm Sean Piles, and every week I sit down with NerdWallet's expert nerds to answer your money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. You'll learn how to manage your investments, understand your credit score and your tax bills, get pro tips for organizing your expenses and putting more money into your savings, and a whole lot more. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money can help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about whether you're on track to meet your money goals. You'll get the clarity that you need to make smart money decisions with confidence so you don't lose out on what money can do for you. Plus, we keep our episodes short and sweet so you can get smart about personal finance faster than you can say high-yield savings account. Smart Money is the smartest way to get even smarter about your money. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow the show to download new episodes as they become available for free. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast soon. I really love when we have people on the show that are like super passionate about what they do because it always curates just a fun conversation. You are clearly, <laughs> clearly passionate about all things franchising. Like, how did you decide to make this your your life's work? <laughs> you know, it's funny you ask because I like four or five years growing up, I lived in a town that didn't allow franchises there. Really? They eventually got Starbucks. I didn't even know that existed. Oh yeah, it's like it's like they it was like a ski town in Colorado, and so they're just like, we are not developing this, we're not turning it into a big behemoth. And um, you know, they eventually got a Starbucks. People like lost their minds, and so um, 
you know, how I got into it was I was doing the advisory stuff at Merrill Lynch and I was doing it in San Francisco. And so a couple of things happened. Uh, one, I, I started to see robo advisors coming and I was a hair worried about what that meant for my career prospects there. But then also I was, uh, you know, the culture around there was just very hostile, honestly, really bro -y, And I just like, I, I didn't, I didn't really enjoy it. And so it was a uh, family friend. Uh, he was the CEO of a company that coaches CEOs. And uh, yeah, I, I, he tried talking me into a job before. And I was like, hey, I'm going the Merrill route. This time I say, okay, I'm open. What are you thinking? And he threw me an absolute curveball. He said, what do you know about franchising? And I'm like, yeah, same thing as McDonald's, Subway, Taco right. Bell, like what? And uh, then I was surprised to find out his company was a franchise. I'm like, wait, coaching CEOs is a franchise? And he tells me they franchise everything. So to me, I, I like being big fish in a little pond, even though it's like a trillion dollar pond. But um, you know, I saw it as like, wow, this is a big industry. Most people don't really know that much about or aren't educated in. And so uh, I was like very curious by it. And he introduced me to the franchise brokerage space. And it was funny because speaking of franchises for everything, that is a franchise. There is a franchise for selling franchises. Really? Uh, oh, this is yeah. getting, this is, this is like opening one of those like, you know, little dolls where there's like a doll and a yeah, doll. Yeah. And a doll. yeah. <laughs> it's a franchise and a franchise and a franchise. Right. And um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, it, it was funny because I really became exactly what I talked about now about like the, what I love about franchising is that I had this great, like high ticket net worth sales uh, skill set. I was very passionate about entrepreneurship and all these things. And so franchise brokerage was just like a perfect, op it, it just fit my skills and desires perfectly. And then I was part of a franchise. So I got to learn all these things about it, but I was working for, of like, I was an independent contractor for a franchisee. And so after a few, uh, four or five years and uh, actually a co-author on that, uh, book with french fries behind me nice. but i don't get royalties on it so i'm like okay i think i'm helping you more than you're helping me it's time to go spread my wings and uh start my own brokerage after that so it was just a honestly i feel like you got to keep your eyes open because you don't know what's out there and this is a perfect example of it anyone who writes a book about french french fries is definitely a friend of mine <laughs> <laughs> actually you're yeah, technically the title's more than just french fries because okay. we want the show well, but I how big french fries, so, right <laughs> yeah as long as i'm making you hungry on lunchtime by looking at it <laughs> absolutely so what do you think the future of franchising looks like you talked a little bit earlier that it's going to probably look a little bit different than it has in the past like where are we going you know you're going to be surprised. It's going to sound a little crazy, but it's it's going to happen. Is that franchising is going to really have a renaissance, a massive resurgence? Like you look at what people are passionate about work wise these days, and it's I want to own my own business. It's startups. It's entrepreneurship, and it's all these things that like people have head trash about that f word franchising. But when you look at like what all their goals are, it aligns with everything, especially uh, I don't even want to say older, but like the over 30 crowd where like they might have kids and they've like had a good career and they're looking at like, hey, you know, I'd, I'd really love to have my own my own business, but I can't take a chance. I got a wife and kids and bills to pay. And, you know, at this point, it'll be like they've been investing in franchises, and it's like, hey, you've been making money off franchises. Like, why not go have your own? And so when people can get over the F word and they see like, this is a way to own my own business and figure out all these things that would take me five or 10 years. It's kind of a no brainer. It's just that people associate it with I'm behind the counter at a place with a ball pit. And so, uh, you know, as we continue to grow and people get more exposure to franchising and understand it more, 
uh, it's just, it's going to explode. You know, I just, we're in the business of funding franchisees. And so as people like earn money from investing in it and they realize like, oh, I can go be my own boss. And they know that we're there to support them. It's huge. And, you know, a big part of like what we're doing to grow besides just investing in franchises is, you know, looking at how we support them. And so on one level, we're providing all these services for franchises like uh, how you do uh, how you do permitting process, uh, real estate construction management, all these things that like, you know, it's not what they do generally. They want to build they want to work in the business. But there's all these things that go into it before and even during like accounting and finance that they may not be strong with. We're providing services for all these franchisees to help them grow. But even a step beyond that is for the employees within those franchises. You know, if you own one, two or three locations and even more, it's hard to get insurance for them. It's hard to provide retirement benefits. And the franchisor cannot do this on uh, because then that, that kind of creates a gray area of if they're a franchisee or not. So we're able to provide these services. And besides those things, we want to show a ladder where you can start working a minimum wage job and see in five years how you can own a location. Because frankly, if you've been working in somewhere for five years, generally you might have a good idea on how to run that business. And so when you create like opportunity for everyone, both to invest and to be your own boss, I see, I see franchising as just, it's going to have this massive appeal to everyone once they understand it. Why do you think it's gotten such a bad rap? Like, where did that come from? Um, I would say it's two things. Well, what, I mean, the number one is lack of education. You don't learn this stuff in colleges. I mean, there's like two or three that have certificate programs, but in general, you don't learn about franchises in school. Um, and so you, you get what you are introduced to. And people are generally introduced to franchising through fast food. Uh, why? Fast food's the most competitive industry out there. And so they need to market everywhere. So people put franchising synonymous with drive throughs and fast food. And they say, I don't want to go work behind a counter. And versus other people who are used to getting their hands dirty, they're like, own a business here, work, work behind, like, yeah, let's go. And um, so uh, I think it's really just a lack of education. And that once they start understanding what franchises are and how they work, and that they just cover all these different industries, it's, it's going to change everything. You also talked earlier about this idea of alternative investing, and it, it's certainly on the rise. And I think it's really exciting. You know, we're, we can invest in franchises, collectibles, artwork, you know, there's wine. I mean, there's lots of different things that people can invest in. But I have found that often people uh, correlate alternative investing with risky investing like it, mm -hmm. it couldn't possibly be profitable or or be good for me like what do you what do you say to those people that are just like not sure about you know alternative investments you know it's something i already said it's education is the key and um you know, honestly, i almost feel like the name throws people in that direction too because then when you ask those same people about investing in real estate, they're like, oh, yeah, it's always there. Same thing with gold. They're like, it's one of the things people are stuffing under their mattresses. And those two are alternative investments. It's just that they can get very alternative. And I think that's where it is. And so, you know, it's, it's about educating on like alternative investing as a whole, the specific investments you're looking at and uh, just doing your due diligence on it. I find people make poor mistakes when they don't. And um, no, sorry for the crypto investors in the crowd, but, you know, that was a big problem there is like most people could not explain how it actually worked, but we're throwing money at it. And so when you look at that, it's like, yeah, any investing can be stupid when you do it that way and, and be risky. And so, um, you know, it's really about just like 
learning about it, getting educated and uh, seeing if it's a good fit for you. Cause I'm not saying it's right for everyone. Like it could be right. terrible for you. Uh, just like everyone has their own investment preferences. And so, you know, that's why I say, go, uh, go get, go learn something. All right. So we've learned a lot. We've, we've talked about franchising and franchising investing. So I'm curious, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, what are like a couple of things you want people to remember about, even if this was like a brand new concept to them about investing in franchises? Yeah. Um, let's see. The first thing is I'd love for you to go to the next person you see and ask them to name you three franchises. And nine times out of 10, they're going to give you three fast food ones. And that right away is going to speak to the lack of education out there. And it's like, hey, maybe you didn't know everything you thought you did. Or you, you just ask yourself, where did you learn about franchising? And you, most people are not going to have a clue. They're like, I just do. Which is a pretty funny thing to say when it comes to like any type of investing. And, um, <laughs> you know, I also say that like things are changing constantly, but you also want to like partner it with things that are steady. And so I think that's where like franchise investing is a great middle ground is that like it's something that's now available to people, yet it's something that's not crazy new or irrational. It's like there's a lot of history there. And so it's not the sexiest investment. I'll be the first one to tell you, but it is predictable and it is tangible. And I think those are things that people like today in a very crazy world out there. I just genuinely loved this conversation. And it's very clear that Kenny feels so passionate about franchising. I, I'm just personally really interested in seeing what the future holds for franchising and franchise investing. There are all of these really fascinating ways to earn passive income these days, and it makes me super excited how passive income could change your life and help you achieve your money goals. As with everything, of course, you want to make sure you do your research, ask questions, and get knowledgeable before you invest in anything. To learn more, you can go to franshares.com and you can download an investment guide there. You can also add Kenny on LinkedIn and mention that you heard him on this podcast. He loves to connect with everyone and answer any of your questions personally. If you enjoyed this episode, please head on over to whatever podcast player you're listening to now. Leave us a rating and review five stars for this show. It really helps us continue to grow this show. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guests, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.